Heather, you didn't want to say anything? <laughs> well, hey, uh, it is so good to be with you guys today. Man, walking in the, in the room, just seeing so many familiar faces, and I gave a bunch of hugs and got a bunch of hugs in return. So uh, I'm just glad to be back, and uh, so it's a good day. Let me get my Bible open. Um, how many of you glad to be in God's house this morning? Yeah. Well, I just was, uh, when Pastor Doug had asked me if I wanted to come and just share with you guys, I was just so excited because I am so thankful for this church. Are, are you thankful for your church? And, uh, man, just all the years, I was just, as we were worshiping, I was remembering, you know, so many firsts that happened in this building, in this, this, this church, and this, with the leaders in this house, and uh, uh, just thinking about the first time I led worship. And uh, that was in this place. And I was remembering while we were worshiping, we tried to be cool and cutting edge. And so we would, we would take the light bulbs out. And I had bought these colored floodlights, and I would screw them in just to be cool. And, man, it was powerful. Powerful worship. So sorry, Pastor Scott, if that was annoying. But I was just, just trying to do whatever we could to get God's presence. <laughs> and, uh, man, so many firsts. I remember worshiping back over there with the youth ministry and uh, Hillsong worship and just being like, wow, what is this presence that I'm feeling? And, and uh, going to camp in this place, first time going to youth camp and getting filled with the Holy Spirit at camp. And just so many firsts that I'm so thankful for. Leading worship, like I said, learning God's word in this house, learning to serve. You know, Lynn Hilliard teaching me so many lessons about God's word and his Bible. And just so thankful for this house. So I want to say thank you this morning to, to the pioneers who've been here for, forever, eternity. And just have sown. You know, this church is not a new church. You guys have been sowing and investing in Woodland for, for years, and it's, it's such a blessing. So would you just give the, the leaders and elders in this church a hand? I was thinking, and this morning I was telling my wife, I was like, I got so many stories to tell you, all the dumb things I did, you know. You got to get your feet wet, right? Well, I'm excited for the season that your church is in. Pastor Doug has been sharing with me, you know, recently you guys had your vision Sunday, and uh, the big vision, right, of 500 people. Does that scare anybody this morning? 500 people come to this church? It shouldn't. I, I love that. And so I'm just excited. I really do feel like that you guys are getting ready for and coming into a season of growth. And, uh, and so I'm excited just to, to be with you and partner with you in that. Um, I know that the 500 number for Pastor Doug and Dina is never, ever going to be about the number. You know, Pastor Doug is not calling his pastor friends on Monday and saying, I got 500. What'd you get? You know, it's always going to be about souls. Amen. The number is always about souls. Those chairs represent people's lives being changed. They represent people coming in this house and getting free and healed and changed. And aren't you excited about that? Man, it's so cool. Well, as Pastor Doug mentioned, uh, I'm uh, with my family today. My beautiful wife is here, and uh, we just celebrated 11 years. I've got a picture of our kids. They're going to show. This is Macy and Shiloh. They're awesome. And uh, they're at home with Grandma and Grandpa today, hanging out, eating junk food, and partying. So <laughs> good stuff. We, always used to, we have to do like a sugar detox on Sunday when we get the kids back. And just be like, no, you can't have all that, that candy that you want. So... Um, but man, we do so much at the Father's house. It's such a joy and honor. My wife and I, like Pastor Doug said, we oversee children's ministries for all of our campuses. So we currently have five campuses, and uh, this year we're launching two more. Um, we're launching one in Sac or San Francisco and Orange County. So uh, man, God is moving in the Father's house. It's pretty incredible. Um, so we oversee all of children's ministries for all of our campuses. I put down some numbers for you just so you can see the scope of it. That's about 1,300 kids who come through our doors every weekend. 
Uh, we have over 500 volunteers that we personally oversee and coordinate. Uh, at any given service, we have 20 classrooms happening across all the locations, and we're responsible for all of those happening. Um, we have a preschool that we oversee with 120 students each week. And uh, let's see, what else? We, we oversee our summer camps. My wife writes all of our curriculum and songs and worship. She's put together two worship albums for our kids. And so I love that we get to do ministry together as a couple. We sit right across the desk from each other. We, ride, we drive to work. We usually drive in different cars. I don't know why that is, but we just we get there, and we work together. And, um, and it's such a blessing. And I say all that to say we're very busy, but there's nothing else in life that we would rather do. Uh, really, it is the joy that we have to, to worship God together and serve God together. Are you ready for the word today? And get your word out. How many of you have the old school Bible, the paper Bible? Okay, one of you. Good. Oh, no, two. Praise God. How many of you have your cell phones? Now, there we go. Okay, well, good. Well, I want to read to you this verse, and this is one of my favorite verses for life and ministry. I'm going to read it to you this morning. I have a cough drop in, so forgive me if you hear that. It's been crazy this year. Anybody had the flu? Yeah, I heard the devil change the name to influenza this year. No? No, okay. That will get you on the way home. All right. Luke chapter 10, it says, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray. Everybody say pray. Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. I'm going to read it one more time. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. God, we just pray that you would speak to us today. Holy Spirit, we honor you. We give you permission to, to, to nudge us a little bit today. We give you permission to, to strengthen us and push us outside of our comfort zone. And God, I just pray that your word would really speak to us today. I pray that every person in this room would just feel encouraged and challenged. And God, I say thank you that you are doing a great work in Woodland and New Testament Church. And we pray this in your name. Everyone said... Amen. I want to ask you a question today. Do you remember when you first fell in love with Jesus? Anybody remember that? Now, how many of you have been walking with God, let's say, uh, one year? You're brand new. Anybody? Libby, thank you so much. She led us in worship, guys. That's amazing. <laughs> God really did work. Uh, anybody, 10 years? You've been walking with God for 10 years. Okay, 20 years? Awesome. I know that you guys love God and been walking with them. And uh, I remember like it was yesterday. I had grown up in church my whole life. But I went through a pretty dark season um, when I found out that I was born with a medical uh, disease that I had been born with. And uh, that happened here in this house when I was young. And I remember it like it was yesterday because I uh, was going to play football. I was uh, going to be a firefighter. I was working at the firehouse. I was doing overnight shifts with them and going on ride-alongs, doing all my medical training. And I kind of had my whole life kind of planned out in my head. Anybody have those moments where you're like, I know exactly what I'm going to do? Well, I had my whole life planned out, and uh, I went to the doctor for my physical for football, and the doctor said, hey, did you notice that you have a murmur in your heart? And I said, no, I, I've never heard that. And so they begin to do tests and, and do all these experiments on me, it felt like, and do all this stuff. And uh, come to find out, I was born with heart disease, and I had a messed up valve, and my heart didn't work properly. So the doctor told me that, hey, everything that you have planned on doing, you can no longer do. 
I wasn't allowed to go outside and play football. I wasn't allowed to ride my bike. I wasn't allowed to do anything physical. And firefighting was definitely off of the table. Everything that my whole life had been around and dreaming about uh, was in that moment changed and taken away. So I did what any man of God did. I prayed, right? I pushed through. I prayed. I read God's word. No, I did not do that. I got angry at God. And I remember feeling like abandoned. I remember feeling like, God, why, why are you doing this to me? That's how I felt. And I got mad at the doctors. I got mad at God. I got mad at my parents. Really, I just took it out on anyone that was around because I couldn't understand how God would let this happen to me. And I remember the pastors and leaders in this house coming and encouraging me. Someone brought me a guitar and said, hey, I want to show you some chords. And I remember yesterday that feeling of discovering God's presence in worship and beginning to cry out to him in my hurting and my loneliness and saying, God, why is it like this? Why, why has this happened to me? And I remember that feeling of falling in love with his presence like I'd never experienced before. And so my hope today is that we will get reminded again how much God loves us. So we'll get reminded again this morning of our first love, when you first fell in love, when, when you were so excited about Jesus that you couldn't wait to tell your friends about him. When you were so excited about God that you couldn't wait to open his word and just discover something new and pull something out of his word because it's so fresh and so exciting. When you were so excited to throw on a new worship album because you couldn't wait to go to new depths with him, that's the first love I'm talking about. And that's where I feel like God wants to remind us of today. Pastor Doug, what time am I supposed to be done? I want to make sure I honor the time. Half an hour. Good. Now, I want to read a scripture to you in Luke chapter 15. Now, do you, you remember the story of the prodigal son? Yeah, well, let, let's read this together. And I want to talk about this for a minute. And, you know, Jesus had got this reputation in his ministry of hanging out with bad people. He got this reputation where he was known for hanging out with people that no one loved or liked. And uh, so Jesus is, is ministering to prostitutes. He's ministering to tax collectors and sick people and all the people that the society thought that he was above or greater than. You see, we were talking about it in the car this morning, me and my wife, we were talking about how God came and everyone expected a ruler. They expected a king. They expected him to sit on a throne, but instead he came and hung out with the people that they disliked. And so they didn't understand it. They couldn't wrap their mind around it. And so Jesus is asked in Luke 15, he says, well, why do you hang out with these people? He's asked this question and he tells three stories to basically confirm who he is and tell us why he loves people like he does. Uh, there's a story about the lost sheep. There's a story about the lost coin. And the last story, the prodigal son story, is a story of two brothers. And so uh, we pick up in chapter 15, verse 20. It says, so he returned home to his father. This is the son, the younger son. While he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming, and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. And now the father ignores his request. This is my paraphrased version. The father ignores his request, calls his servants over, and begins to tell them what had happened. <clears throat> Verse 22, it says, But this father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring, put it on his finger, get sandals for his feet, and kill the calf that we've been fattening because we're about to have a feast. For this son of mine was dead, but has now returned to life. Now, translation, the dad was saying, we're about to have a party. Anybody like to party in here? That's right. He was lost, but now he's found, so the party began. But let me ask you this morning, 
how long do you think it took for the sun to come home and begin to party? I mean, was it 10 minutes? Was it 20 minutes? Was it an hour? What was that time like? I mean, the father's like so excited. He's just like, get the DJ, get the fatted calf, get the golden ring. We're going to party, right? And so in the distance, there's an older son who's coming. And it gets worse. The son is walking home from a hard day's work. He's doing the father's work that the father asked him. And in the distance, he can hear the music bumping. He can hear people laughing. He can hear people partying. He can hear all this celebration going on. And he's thinking to himself, what is going on? Now, I want you to try to wrap your mind around this illogical, ridiculous, scandalous scene that we see happening here in the Bible. The father is trying to explain to us how he loves his kids, how he loves the lost, what his heart looks like for you and for me. So the boy, he wasted all of his father's money. He wasted years. He wasted time. He went to this sinful land and began to party. He squandered all of his dad's money. He got rid of all of it. And so this scene is him coming home, and he had given up on sonship. He just wanted to ask the father for a job. He had given up on being a son. He thought, well, I'll just get a job from my father. But the father had a different plan in mind. The father said, no, I'm going to restore you and show you the love that you deserve. The boy comes home, wasted all of his money. Now, again, how long had that been? Was that 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour? Let's say it was three hours, okay? You've got the son coming home. He gets home. He has enough time to shower and to shave, put on his new bling, put on his new wardrobe. Let's say it's been three hours. And so the son is walking up, and he sees all this going on. And he's like, are you kidding me? Right? The older son is like, what is going on? What is this party that I hear? Three hours, this son goes from sinning, living in a compromise, to on the dance floor with his homies partying. But it doesn't make sense. The only one thinking logically in this story is the older son, right? Who is this kid? Where has he been? I've been out working. So he sees his younger brother partying, DJ. It just doesn't make sense. And I want to say to you this morning that that's how the father sees us. You know, when you sin and when you mess up, the best place that you can be is right in his presence. God's excited about you. When you even when you, on your worst day, when you mess up, he's excited to honor you and love you. And that's how he sees the lost. That's how he sees the people in your community who are in depression or, or, or are far from him or, or feeling sick and hurt. He sees them and he's like, I want to throw them a party. I love this story because it shows the father's heart for the lost. So I have a question for you. I want to ask you a question today. Which character in this story are you? Who are you in this story? Are you the younger son who you walked away from God? You walked away from his promise. You went and did your own thing for a while. You tried it your way. And today you're in the room and you're saying, I need to come back to the Father. I need to come back to his grace. Or maybe you're in the room today and you've never walked with God. You've never had a personal relationship and you need that free love of the Father today. Or maybe you're in the room today and you're the older son. You've been going with God for a long time, walking with him for years. You've been doing what the Father asked you to do. But maybe today you've lost sight and focus of what it is that God is passionate about. Lost people. Maybe you've lost sight of the thing that makes the Father's heart beat. Those who are lost coming to find life in Him. Those who are broken being restored. The thing that Jesus was telling us in Luke 15 about going and finding the one sheep and leaving the 99. 
Maybe we've forgotten and lost sight of how important God sees those people in your community. I believe that the Father wants us to understand his heart today and wants us to come back to that. You see, I see the Father wanting us to draw close to him today and learn to have his heart for the younger brother, the lost sheep, those in our community. The only, was, the only way I feel for us to, to get that heart is we've got to go back to that place of being in love with him again, that first love and rekindling that. You know, there's something that happens in your life when you understand how much the Father loves you and how much he cares and is crazy about you, it changes the way that you love others. It changes the way that you see people who are broken or hurting. You don't act or respond like the older brother. You act and respond like the father who's changed your life. He has that father heart. As I was praying about coming and speaking with you guys today, God really put something in my heart about Woodland. And, uh, you know, it's unique that you can't drive from any highway into woodland without passing thousands of acres of agriculture land. You can't but pass by all these tractors and trucks and farmland and crops. And, you know, we, we recently were driving on the highway, and, you know, you see all those little white bugs that just splat the front of your windshield. And where are those from, you know? The fields, right? And they'd give their life for your vehicle, and they just, no matter how hard you scrub, you cannot get those off. And God was just really challenging me and showing me that Woodland is known for planting and reaping. You know, the farm-to-table capital, right, in Sacramento, how that's what we do in this, this town, and it was built on that, right, and that this is a town known for reaping and sowing. And I was getting challenged when God was showing me that's what he wants to do in the spirit, not just in the natural with the harvest and give people jobs. God wants to do the same thing in the spirit. God is looking for a church that's willing to get their hands dirty. God's looking for a church that's excited about the loss. He's looking for a church that's willing to, to put in the labor and plant the seed and protect the crops and to reap a harvest. Do you believe that? If you do, touch your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. But God was really speaking to me about the harvest and reminding me that it's about souls, reminding me of what he sees. Now, I want to give you three things today that I really feel like God wants your church to grab hold of and take ownership of. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one is this, pray like it all depends on God. Pray like it all depends on God. Luke chapter 10 and verse 2, it says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send the laborers. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send the laborers. So pray like it all depends on God. The seed, the soil, the harvest, it all belongs to him. It's his first. He owns it. He holds the plans for your life. He holds the plans for this church. He knows the right steps and the next steps to help you grow and reach those 500 people. He knows that you're going to have to expand in this church. This room is not going to be big enough. You're going to have to go to multiple services. He knows every single one of those details. And so we have to go to him and seek him so that he can show us how to get there. Even for your own life, what's your next step? When Pastor Doug talked about growth track, what's your next step? God holds the key to that. This verse has always comforted me because every season of our ministry, God has reminded me of coming back to him and how much I need him. You know, that's kind of a mark of, of success for your life. If you're in a place where you feel like you can't do it on your own, that's right where God's called you to be. And this verse for us has always brought us so much 
just encouragement and joy because, you know, when Heather and I first took over children's ministries from her dad and, and uh, my mother-in-law, they had been doing it for 13 years, and we were one campus. And when we came and took over children's ministry, we went from one campus to two. We had just planted our second church in Napa. And we had a small team of volunteers that ran children's ministry because we only had three rooms. It was pretty simple, but we began to expand. And so Pastor Heather and I took over, and it was tough because it was like, okay, God, how are we going to meet this need? How is there going to be enough workers? How is there going to be enough people to start another church? How are we going to do it? And we begin to pray, and God really used this verse to show me that it's always going to be about going to him and asking him for his guidance and his help. You know, and I can, be, I can be honest with you today and say that every single season, when we went from one campus to two, God was faithful to bring what we needed and make, make it happen. When we went from two campuses to three, you know, every season, it, it's, for me, it's like, I feel like at the growth and rate of our church growing, it feels like there's, there's holes that I can't plug. You know, it's like I can't reach all the way over here and plug this one and reach all the way over here and plug this hole. But every single time, God comes through and gives us exactly what we need. You know, we went from having like 10 or 20 volunteers to now we're 500. And that's why we're able to do ministry at five campuses to thousands of children. It's because God is faithful to supply the need every single time. And that's what God will do for your church. This verse is a great reminder of that. I feel like this too. You can accomplish more in prayer for the future of your life and your church than you can ever accomplish in a board meeting or in a, in a structured plan or a detailed outline. If you pray, God will give you the guidance. He'll give you the right step. You know, I love God's presence. I love being in the house because when you're in his presence, he, he ever just speak to you in a little something? You know, Pastor Doug can be preaching on one thing and you're getting a vision for another. Has that ever happened to you? That's just how the Holy Spirit speaks. It's how he works, right? And so we've got to pray like it all depends on God. Number two is this. We've got to work like it all depends on us. Like I said, I really feel like God is looking for a church that's willing to get their hands dirty. That doesn't want to come on Sunday and just be comfortable in the surroundings that they're used to, but willing to say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make room for someone else who's not here yet. I'm willing to give up my seat that I've been sitting in for 10 years, 15 years. I'm willing to give up my parking spot. I'm willing to, I'm willing to learn again. I'm willing to, to go back to Grow Track and see what it takes to, to help this church grow. I'm willing to up my giving, up my worshiping, up my everything so that God would make room for the new people that need to come and find life in this Christ, in this place. You know, if you look at your city, I mean, just think about all the people that you know who aren't walking with God. God wants to bring them and, and, and bring them to life in this place. you got to work like it all depends on us. Matthew 28, you guys know the Great Commission, right? You've heard that before. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God's promise to us is that he's called us to go. He's going to be with us. And he's got all that we need. In Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in both Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, and even to the remotest part of the earth. You see, I believe that God has designed you to participate with him in restoring a broken community. God's designed you to, to, to partner with him to restore Woodland, to see that dream, that vision come on. 
The 500 is just the first goal. There are thousands in your city who are not free in Christ. There are thousands in your city who walk around broken. They go to work with you every single day, and they don't have what you have. God wants to use you. He wants to partner with you. You and your church are God's plan A for your city. Come on, get excited about this morning. You are God's plan A. God's plan is to use you and your family to help restore a broken community, a broken city. God wants to see those people set free in this house. We're talking about the reckless love of God. Those people need to hear it. And I believe this morning that God wants to, again, remind you of what that felt like so that you'll get a passion to go reach those people. Woodland isn't waiting for for your church to see what you're going to do. Your town isn't sitting around waiting and saying, man, I wonder what New Testament's going to do this week. I wonder what Pastor Doug's message is. No, you've got to take the church, the love of God, to, to your city. You've got to take the love of Christ to your community. Forth and Hope shouldn't be a ministry of the church. It should be the ministry from the church that goes out from this place and goes to the community. Something that you don't just think about casually. It should be your heartbeat. Our love for God is authenticated by the way that we love others. If you love people, I believe God's calling us to show it. God is looking for a church who's willing to get messy, to do whatever it takes. Remember, I said in the first one, I want you to pray like it all depends on God. Number two is I want you to work like it all depends on you. And number three is this. I want you to get your dancing shoes on. Lace them up, okay? Get your dancing shoes on. Luke 15, we go back to the story of the prodigal son. It says, so the father, filled with compassion, ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. The son began to say, father, I've sinned against you. The father doesn't even listen. He says to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Kill the calf. We must celebrate with a feast. Did you know that the father loves to throw parties? God is a party master. He's the host of hosts. You ever know anybody who's just really good at hosting? They always got the temperature right. They always got the food and the hors d'oeuvres out. You know, they come over and they've already prepared something for you. They've got maybe some candles on. They've got the vibe set. That's who God is. He loves you. He's concerned about you. He's ready for you. He's waiting for your city to come. God threw parties, Jesus threw parties, so should we. Amen? I believe that God wants you to make your church irresistible to this city. Irresistible. Irresistible in your joy. You know, when your coworkers see you at work, are you grumpy? Are you frowning? Are you upset? Or do they see the love of Christ just coming and radiating off of your life? I believe that he wants us to be irresistible in the way that we serve our city. Your desire to get up and do something bigger than yourself. I think he wants us to be irresistible in the move of the Holy Spirit in this place. The irresistible move of the Holy Spirit that that goes beyond marketing. It's better than a Facebook post. It's better than anything else. When the Holy Spirit shows up, people hear about it. You know, when God ministered in the New Testament, he didn't have to do Facebook marketing. He didn't have to pay 99 cents to tell all of his friends that, that he was coming. The Holy Spirit showed up and thousands came to get saved. Thousands came who were hungry and needing and and diseased and sick because they heard there was someone who had the answer. When you guys become an irresistible church, you won't have to put up a banner or do a sign or a post because the city will hear about it. And they will be beating down your doors to get in for service. Come on, that's what Jesus wants to do. 
If you want to create an irresistible church, you're going to have to up everything you do. You're going to have to up your giving, your serving, your commitment. And I know I'm asking a lot today, but the Holy Spirit wants to partner with you. You are plan A. So I want to say this. We've got to work hard and we've got to party hard. Amen? We've got to get good at celebrating people who are coming to Christ. Can they come and sit in the front row and have your seat? Can they take your spot when you park down by the high school? Come on. What is God asking you to do today to make a place? We've got to get good at party hosting. So if, you're, if you're in here and you got the gift of hosting, you've got to teach some lessons. Come on. What music do we need to play? And I want you to think through it. What are the lost come? Doug was sharing with us this morning about that analogy of the bathroom sign. You know, when you go to the bathroom, you don't look for the sign, right? But the people who are coming in who are lost, they're looking for it. They're looking for the information. They're looking for, how do I join your church? How do I get in? And you should do everything you can to make a place for them. Work hard and party hard. I want you to learn how to honor people, celebrate people, and especially those who are far from God and coming to find life in Him here. Now, I want to show you a video. At our church, the Father's House, we take the loss seriously. We do so much for we love our city and our community. When we were raising money to build our, our most new campus in Vacaville, it was a four-year process for us. And it was a lot of money we had to raise. It's like $11 million that came in. We raised all this money, but you know what we did that was bigger than that? We prayed nonstop. We got our mind wrapped around the Father's heart. We got our mind wrapped around the souls. And we would have prayer meetings. We had prayer meetings every Thursday. And we would write down names on the cards of friends and family members and people that we wanted to see come to Christ. And so this video that I'm going to show you is just quick. I want you to see what we did, and hopefully it will inspire you this morning. Well, hey, church. I'm here on the platform at our new location. It's a beautiful morning, and it's a significant morning, because today we are pouring the platform. And before we do, we're going to drop this prayer capsule right into the stage. You've been praying for a lot of people. In this box right here, there's over 15,000 names of people that we are believing are going to come to Christ. They're going to worship God in this place. They're going to find a local church where they can grow and get to know the Lord and find community. And so this will be placed in this stage as a reminder of why we're here. So I want to thank you for praying. Thank you for giving. This is a prophetic statement that in this house, thousands of people are going to come to Christ. And it's a reminder, a continual reminder that the Father's house exists so that people far from God will find life in Christ. That's what we did. I'm not saying you need to do that, okay? Glenn, don't come in here on Monday with your saw and try to cut a hole in the floor. 
Glenn, don't do that. <laughs> Pastor Doug's not going to like that. I'm not asking you to do that, but what I'm asking you to do is to get serious. Up your prayer game. Uh, I, I believe God wants to challenge you today. I, I want to have the worship team come. I believe he just wants to challenge you on what is your heart for the lost? What is your heart for your community? Uh, as I was praying, I just felt like God wanted to ask you this question today. Is What is he calling you to do to help reach that goal of 500? What is he asking you to do? Maybe you're saying, well, I've done it all. I've been here. I've done it. But, you know, God's mercies and grace are new every morning. His word is alive and active. He's got a new role for you in this season. Maybe you've served as an elder. Maybe you've been here and you've done pastoring or leading or you've led ministries. It's not time to give up and pass that baton to the next person. It's time for you to, to pray and ask God what he would have you do in this season. You know, one of the greatest joys that we have as a church, the Father's House, is hearing the stories and testimonies of people whose names were in that box. Now, there are thousands that we're still praying for, but every weekend when we have service and Pastor Dave's up there, it's a reminder of why we do what we do. Because there's people who are far from God. And when they come and they say, man, my marriage was on the rocks. We didn't think we could make it, or the cancer was too real, and God was... I didn't know where God was, and I didn't feel like I was going to make it. But someone prayed for me, and I got the healing, or I got the restoration I needed. I got restored. I got delivered. My name was in that box. We see them get baptized on the weekend and give their life to Christ and, and go public with their faith. It is the most powerful thing in the whole world. And it's why we do what we do. And I believe today that God wants to remind you of your first love. It should be what the Father's love is, and that's His people. And the people that He sees in your city, in your community, in your family that don't yet know him. So I'm not saying you got to do what we did, but I do want you to do this. I want you to pray. I want you to seek God. I want you to make a plan, and I want you to get busy. If you think about today's message, it would be get busy. That's what God is asking New Testament church to do in this season. So what he's asking you to do in your season of faith is to get busy. There's people who need to hear your story, what God's brought you through, and help bring that bridge that brings them to life in this place. Pastor Doug was sharing with me the vision of the church. You guys can play. It'll make me sound more anointed. The vision statement for New Testament church, Pastor Doug shared this with me, and I want to read it again to you this morning. A bold and influential church within our communities, moving those far from God to free in Christ. Come on, how many of you are willing to commit and jump in at that level today? Whatever it takes. How many of you willing to sow and give and up your commitment and pray for those in your city who are lost? God is calling you to do something more in this season because there's people who are far from God who need to find life in Christ. I want to sing this song again this morning, the Reckless Love song. Let's maybe have everybody stand up. I want to sing this song and then I'll give it back over to Pastor Doug so we can pray out. But I just want you to remind yourself this morning of your first love, how God came and ran after you when you were the one from the 99. How God saw you off and he said, I got to go and get that one and bring him in. How he rescued you, saved you, healed you. That's who God is and that's how much he loves you this morning. For I spoke a word, you were singing over me. 
And you have been so, so good.